This is your itinerary for travel and photography with your host, Rob Knight. On your itinerary this week, local expert Andy McSweeney shares his tips for traveling and shooting in Bruges, Belgium. Are you a local expert? Well, I'd love to hear from you. Drop me a line on Twitter at your itinerary and let me know about your favorite spot. Maybe I'll even interview you for our next local expert series. Welcome to Your Itinerary. My name is Rob Knight, and my guest and local expert today is Andy McSweeney. Andy's a photographer from Montreal, Canada originally, but he operates Photo Tour Bruges in Bruges, Belgium. Hi, Andy, and thanks for coming on the show and helping us plan a trip to Bruges. It's my pleasure to be here, Rob. Thanks for having me. And you know, it's funny. I've had people on from all over the country, and you're the first person I've interviewed. No, I take that back. You're the second person I've interviewed in Europe. And uh, I think your connection on Google Plus is actually the best of anybody that's ever been on the show. So that's that's pretty wild. So Bruges has uh, pretty decent bandwidth, I guess. It's pretty good. As you'll hear me uh, talk about a few things over the show, you're going to realize it's a pretty set up country. First world uh, rules apply. High taxes, but lots of social services. Luckily, bandwidth is one of those. Cool. Very cool. Well, um, so let's talk about Bruges, Belgium. It, it's funny when I've mentioned uh, to a couple of friends of mine lately that, yeah, I'm going to interview this guy about Bruges. They say Bruges. And I guess it's from the movie uh, in Bruges, but I, I just have sort of always heard of Bruges, Belgium. Um, tell me what photographers can expect when they go to Bruges. Absolutely, Rob. Uh, well, as far as the familiarity of Bruges, it's one of those places that's grown up a lot uh, in in recognition over the last few years, especially the movie in Bruges helped. But definitely modern tourism has definitely uh, caught up with the place. As far as what you can expect for photographers, well, frankly, I can see why people are coming here. This is a, uh, a medieval city that is just a bit of a paradise over here. It's not too big, not too small, so it's easily maneuverable. There's Plenty to see, but not too much of it or great distances involved. And frankly, if you want to get down to the nuts and bolts of photography, it's really good light here. A lot of those classical paintings that you see, especially like the Van Gogh sort of stuff, they have all these colorful skies and rich colors. That's at least half of the time here. Uh, same time also, one of the other names for Bruges is Venice of the North. And it's a pretty fair title. There was a, there was a lot of shipping here during the heyday of medieval times, part of why we've got all this beautiful uh, architecture inside. But at the same time, we've got these beautiful canals. So I'm in uh, reflections, wide angles, everything. It's pretty set up here. Kind of worth mentioning, too, Belgium's got some of the best beer in the world, chocolate in the world, food in the world. So you're pretty set up between photos or uh, otherwise. Nice. And I noticed that uh, actually uh, the city center in Bruges is one of the UNESCO World Heritage Sites. Did you know that? It is, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Since 2001, UNESCO recognized the entire Ring of Bruges as a uh, World Heritage Site. So that's frozen it in time a little bit more. Uh, preservation has always been a priority around here. That's also part of why it's been so well kept even before 2001. But since then, with the UNESCO stamp on it, it's, uh, it's pretty much guaranteed for as long as uh, well, we have a UNESCO. Very cool. Very cool. Well, how about um, how about getting there? Where do you fly into to get to Bruges? Is there a Bruges International Airport or what? There is a little airport near here. I wouldn't really think of it for international travel. Brussels will be your best bet by far. Uh, another one, if you're in the general region, is Amsterdam, but then you're looking at a few hours. It can be a good starting point. For Bruges and, tra uh, excuse me, for Belgium and transport, again, first world uh, rules apply, so it's pretty considerably excellent around here. I mean, if you're coming in from the Brussels airport, then you'll just clear your airport business and without even leaving the building, get on the train, get to Brussels, do a quick change, and within an hour, you're in Bruges. 
Then when you get here, you got public buses everywhere, some of the highest rated in the world, if that's your sort of thing. And taxis are plenty if you want to get there in a hurry or just even grab a bike. You can rent bikes left, right, and center here. Nice. So I noticed you didn't mention a rental car. Is that something you just wouldn't even bother with if you're uh, if you're a tourist? You just don't need to do that? It depends on your itinerary. I, uh, I would put a little uh, a word out of warning that they're not the most the most awesome drivers in the world here with the small roads, just be a little cautious, especially if you're coming from North America. But in the same way, I mean, I'd, I'd think of renting a car, especially for our photo world where we want to start and stop between places. Um, but at the same time, public transport here is really good. Also, don't forget with the bicycle situation, part of what rolls that um, so forward so quickly is that the whole country's flat. So you're not dealing with going up mountains or anything. Nice. That is, that is a good tip. Um, is there anything uh, that you would recommend as far as um, sort of unique uh, travel considerations? Is there, uh, uh, you know, boats you can rent or anything like that on the canals or, or gondola rides, for example, in, in Venice? Hmm. Fair question. Um, well, as part of preserving the city, they don't actually have uh, gondolas for hire, that sort of thing. It's blocked off except for city boats that are made for tourists uh, over the season. And that's basically from spring all the way through to fall, especially when the weather's good, might even crawl towards Christmas time. So those are boats that are all over the city. A lot of them run the same route. But if you, uh, I mean, if you're talking about considerations, just as far as like practicalities, especially if a wheelchair can be part of that match then around here it's pretty set up too. The biggest hassle you have with the wheelchair is just that the um, cobblestones can get a little bumpy over a couple of hours. Uh, that's a, but they make such nice pictures, right? Exactly. Gotcha. Well, what about um, what about different neighborhoods in Bruges? Is there is there a good part of town, a bad part of town? Um, where would you recommend that people look as far as uh, lodging when they're staying there? That's an easy one. There isn't really a bad part of town here. It's a, uh, a really beautiful city, nice and secure. Uh, the cleanliness here will be a little bit shocking. There's going to be a lot less retouching for cigarette butts, bits of, bits of stuff on the road, that kind of thing. And then just as far as lodging, I mean, you have pretty much every choice in the world from uh, budget youth hostels, uh, where there's four of those in town, all the way through to Airbnb, budget hotels, middle range, mid-range hotels, luxury, and even through to apartments. Nice. And, and what would you recommend for someone who, who hasn't been there before? Would you recommend kind of going um, with the sort of higher-end hotel route? I know um, my last visit to Paris, I ended up renting an apartment, and I had a lot better time doing that and sort of um, more traveling like a local. Do you think that's the way to go in Bruges as well? You know, funnily enough, uh, I like to go local as much as possible, especially the apartments, apartment scenario where it's possible. I find pretty much across the board they have really good accommodation. In fact, um, on the even on the youth uh, youth hostel side of things, I'd take a close look at Liberia. They've taken on new new owners over the last two years. Not only are they like really nice guys, so they look after you and it's a nice vibe, but they overhauled the entire building and that's all modern facilities. Frankly, again, as photographers, you could spend half a morning in there. They really went for the visual, and then all the way up the chain, you could uh, you could go for a budget hotel. Airbnb has become much more common i'd say the i'd say if there's a challenge here it's just that especially in season there's not quite enough accommodation especially towards the weekends so if you're coming here in summer especially you're going to want to book ahead and during the weekends uh reserving ahead kind of helps out but as far as the local feel that's one of the interesting things locals just let you right in and uh and you're almost like a family member so cool. no worries there nice 
Um, well, speaking of, of locals, what are, what are people eating in Bruges? What's the, uh, you mentioned chocolate. Um, obviously, you don't eat chocolate for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. What's, what's kind of the local fare? Oh, no, we eat breakfast for, uh, we have chocolate all day long and nothing else, actually. That's where the uh, beer comes in, just to change up from the chocolate. <laughs> No, I'm sorry. Uh, as far as food, man, this is another piece of paradise, frankly. the um, As I say, the beer and chocolate are pretty world famous, and that's just really tip of the iceberg. Um, I always say how the British have a cutting sense of humor because of the uh, lousy weather. you got to have something to balance it out. Here they don't quite have that uh, sharp sharp wit to roll out, but they, uh, they go for it in food. So, I mean... Anyone who knows food beyond just the basics will have uh, heard of a couple of Belgian chefs here and then. Belgian French fries are pretty much what we eat around the world, the way they cook them. And um, as far as food, well, I mean, there's definitely things like a Flemish stew, which is like a beef stew that you'll want to check out. Uh, water zooey is a very typical dish, even though it comes from Ghent, which is just nearby. That's sort of like a broth with either fish or chicken and then vegetables mixed in. And, I mean, like I say, French fries are certainly world-class here, and I'd, uh, I'd take a look at those, too. <laughs> world-class French fries, okay. I think that's the first time I've heard that sentence. Um, okay, is there is there a favorite restaurant that you have, or... or um... In other words, if you're visiting for the first time, would you would you go for the higher end stuff and kind of look up reviews online, or are there uh, little local dives that that you might not find as easily? Certainly. Well, we're living in 2015. TripAdvisor is very helpful on that front. So, I mean, for the latest, greatest stuff, assuming, you know, if you happen to be listening to this a year after 2015, you're going to want to check up. But again, part of the uh, part of the standard of food here is you don't really get a bad meal. At the very worst, considering the area you're going to be in, just because of the, uh, the logistics of travel and real estate, certain areas that are a little more busy with tourism, you're going to be paying a little bit more. But as far as restaurants, well, I was thinking, um, since you do Show notes afterwards, I'm going to give you a few extra. But, I mean, for a couple on the budget end, frankly, at the budget end, or even without the budget, I would get into a supermarket and load up on cheese, charcuteries, like meats, uh, that kind of thing. That's a really big deal around here. Another little hidden secret about Belgium as far as the food, it doesn't really make it out of the borders, but the, the bakeries here are out of this world. So, uh, I mean, whether you're going for bread or croissants, any sort of pastry, that'll definitely take care of things. And at the same time, a lot of bakeries, they'll do sandwiches. So if you want something a little more extensive, they can take care of you right there. Then when you start looking at a sit-down meal, because, I mean, this is easily under 10 euros to, uh, to stuff your face, if you will. But if you want to stuff your face in a sit-down uh, restaurant kind of way, that's plentiful and easy here, too. Two of my favorites, uh, certainly without fail, I mentioned the oldest cafe in Bruges. It's going to be 500 years old this year, so it's got... Just a little bit of character, as you can imagine. Um, but they also do local food, local prices. And that's called the Café Vlessingen. They're a really nice place. And like I said, I mean, being the oldest place in town for photos and just even taking a look, it's worthwhile. Same time also just on the restaurant end of things. I'll talk about it a little bit later, but the windmills are a good area of town. There's four towards one end of, uh, end of Bruges. And there's a little restaurant there called Prodeo which is a little bit well-known, so you're going to want to reserve. But frankly, I mean, I've been sending people there since day one because you don't walk out hungry, and the prices are real nice. 
then just sort of to round it up, I won't bore you with the upper to, uh, excuse me, to the middle to the upper, but straight at the top end, you'll definitely want to take a look too, because it's not particularly pricey, but you can go to a Michelin star restaurant like the Carmelite. They'll look after you. You won't leave hungry. You probably won't leave sober too if you're getting into the spirit of it. And same time, Park Restaurant that's been sitting pretty consecutively on uh, on number one on TripAdvisor. Their internet deal is just out of this world. Same if you go for the booze option. And like a lot of these places, they may have a classical air, but usually it's a fairly laid-back attitude. Uh, like I said, the Belgians are pretty welcoming uh, at the end of the day. It's sort of that Dutch mindset of, like, you do your thing, I'll do mine. If we're not crossing over in any bad way, let's all have a good time. Very cool. I love that about Europe, where you'll have a cafe that's older than the United States of America. That's um, that was the most amazing thing to me when I visited Europe for the first time is seeing, you know, oh, we're, we're staying in a hotel that's twice the age of our country. You know, it's, that's, uh, that's pretty awesome, man. That's uh, a feeling. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the, um, you meant there's a hot, you mentioned the high season in the summertime. What's, um, what's a good month to go? And, uh, and is there a particular time that's, you know, the, is, is there a bad time to go? Basically, is there a time when the weather's just terrible? And you don't want to be there. Hmm. That's a fair question. I'm, I'm just going to say for disclosure, Belgium is not the sunniest country in the world. We do get a little bit of rain here. So when you do pass through, have an umbrella on the ready. Um, seasonally, seasonally, right now, January, February is the quietest time of year, which in a way is an advantage for photography because there's not many people around. A lot of the locals being involved with tourism, they go on, a, on holiday uh, this time of year. But at the same time, uh, the light is a little bit short. If you're not used to that hard northern European winter light, you might be a little bit challenged. So just be a little bit careful on that front. So is there snow in the winter? There used to be. I can't say consistently. It's certainly not a, not that minus 30 that I remember from, uh, from my childhood in Canada. Every second year, we seem to get a little bit of snow. And uh, actually... Not to plug my site, but if you head over to Photo to Bruce, there are a couple snow photos there. Same on my Facebook page because I'll gotcha. like But but you wouldn't necessarily make a, a winter trip to photograph Bruges in the snow or anything. Now with with hmm. you know people being on holiday, with the locals being on holiday, is it hard to find uh, maybe a restaurant that's open or that kind of thing when it's cold? That's not really a problem. Again, the size of the city sort of cancels that out. So some places close down, but um, there's always a place open nearby. Uh, good businesses will also just recommend you to the neighbor. And, you know, not to leave your question hanging, as far as the best time of year to come by, summer is not so bad. You do get large crowds, but you can get away from the center quickly. So that's not a problem. More than anything else, I'd absolutely recommend spring and fall uh, because you – Especially in spring, you have that foliage that's popping up. It's quite moist here, so it's very colorful and rich. Light is really ideal. And then on the other side of the season, September, October, you get some really beautiful light, and the uh, the wetter weather hasn't really taken over yet. Nice. Very mm. cool. Uh, so, in other words, it's almost worth it to sort of battle the crowds uh, in the warmer weather. It is. It is. And um, as I'm sure I'll get to in a little bit, uh, you'll you'll see pretty quickly once you get away from that main historic corner, which is where the Lake of Love to the Market Square area is, um, a lot of the city doesn't really get busy. Part of where you might feel a little bit overloaded with, um, with the crowds of tourism is mainly that there's a lot of groups coming in from Brussels. And they're only here for two, three hours, so they're just flying around the city. Yeah. Uh, but as soon as you get past the Market Square on the right side of town, it just goes to Lake dead quiet. Very cool. Well, let's mm. talk about some some locations. You mentioned a few. Um, 
if you're coming to Bruges for the first time, where do you where do you have to go shoot? What's what are your your must see spots? The must sees. Yep, good question. Well, as I say here, it's uh, fairly small, so it's all a little bit manageable. But in the day trip kind of mindset, you can certainly cover a fair bit. I would consider absolutely the must-see, the main historical area, where I just mentioned with the Lake of Love, the Beguinage, the, or Behinhof, or Nunnery in English. Then you could wander up to the old St. Yen uh, Hospital, which is actually worth dropping in, especially if, if you have a little bit of time. It's a little bit of everything as far as museums go. And then while you're there, you might as well jump into Church of Our Lady. There's a Michelangelo statue uh, on the inside of Madonna and Child, which you're also going to see around Bruges a fair bit. And frankly, from 20 years of dancing around the world, even though it's, as we speak, just still under renovation, that's one of the most beautiful churches I've ever seen. So uh, I would definitely get to there. And then from there, just sort of saunter down to the market, try and take a couple couple of loose side alleys and side streets. And, I mean, everything I described you could easily do in three hours with a few photos. After that, if you have a little bit of time, either make a beeline for the windmills. They're a lot easier to find than you think. Or get over to the old main port, which is the end of the plane. Gotcha. So what's what's an average... Uh, what's a good average time to spend in Bruges? I mean, did, did you should you plan to spend a week in Bruges? Because it sounds like you'd sort of see it all in a day. You'd think so. Uh, on the surface, it's not the biggest city in the world. It isn't set up North American style where we could build everything for efficiency. This all grew out of uh, little villages and joining pieces together. So it is a little tricky to navigate. But I find ideally three to five days, actually, you could really cover a lot. Because don't forget, there's Bruges itself. And there's also the surrounding areas. There's the city of Ghent, which is uh, quite nice. I'd actually choose it over Brussels as a quick tip there. Uh, Flanders Field, which is pretty well known from the First World War, which don't forget is 100 years uh, just past. So very active there. And same time, especially for nature photographers who want to get a little bit of a, a fix in there. You go right over the Dutch border, which is only... 15 kilometers here. You can do it on a bike, of course. And then you're in nature reserve for a good few hours worth of driving, uh, excuse me, of cycling. So you have animals, you have uh, birds of plenty. And it's kind of weird having all these pristine, natural, beautifully set up beaches with container ships in the background from the English Channel. Yeah. And one thing I would add just before it slips to my mind, um, coming during the week really makes a difference, whatever the time of year, especially during summer. Not only can you get a little bit of a better deal on a hotel because capacity is down, but you're going to have way less people to deal with. So if you can during the week, if I did Monday to Friday, I'd be totally delighted here. Nice. That sounds like mm -hmm. a good tip. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, unless you're into uh, crowd photography and then... No, if you're into, <laughs> absolutely, then you're going to want to be here in the thick of summer. Nice. I will warn you, the locals are a little bit shy for the sneaky uh, street stuff, so just brace yourself for a bit of a, a dirty look if you uh, if you go on the sneaky. Cool. That's a good tip. Um, mm. And so basically you're going to be shooting medieval architecture and sort of, sort of city scenes and that kind of stuff mostly uh, when you're in Bruges. Is there any sort of... Um, Beyond just your regular gear loadout, are there any specific tools that you think photographers should bring with them? Absolutely. You know, it's hard to just call a magic bullet as far as gear goes. It's a very individual taste, so it's a little tricky there. And any numbers I refer to, I'll just I'll just throw out full-frame numbers so we have a reference point. Um, off the get-go, I mean... It's going to be mostly landscapes, landscapes, architecture, as you say. So I'd be shooting towards those scenarios. Uh, personally, I find 
16 to 35 is a nice range on the wide end. Nikon make a good lens for that that I happen to use, so that suits me quite well. Then usually a mid-range is in your bag anyway, so let's just count that. And funnily enough, over the last, uh, let's see, about 14 months ago, I got the uh, I got one of the Sigma 120s, 120 to 400 lenses. So I suddenly had all this ultra zoom after years of shooting fairly wide. And, you know, one of the... One of the other real charms about the city, this is also why I say it's worth more than a day, even if you're just going to stick to the city, there's all these little details. You know, the Masons did a lot of building around here. Craftsmen throughout the ages have definitely been busy. This was one of the main centers of power for the church in uh, olden times, especially when the port was up and running. So I find with that telephoto, I mean, that 400 reach, even if, even if it goes a little bit soft, frankly, it's totally worth it just to see that little piece of detail that um, some guy 500 years ago poured his heart out over. Then if yeah. I had a little extra room in the bag, I might think about a macro lens because, as I say, a lot of little details, especially close to the ground here, too. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And, and I, I like to use the, uh, the telephoto lens for landscapes a lot of times, too, um, mm. just uh, for the same kind of thing, just picking out those little details and, and really isolating uh, pieces of the landscape and not just trying to make the one picture of everything. So isolating is what it's all about. I find, uh, I find as I keep shooting, I just keep cropping closer and closer as it goes, trying to get out all that extra stuff. Oh, and, um, I would absolutely without fail to mention the rain here, uh, bring a rain cover for your camera of some sorts. One photo tip, if I may, that I'd throw out there from my experience, the disposable ones are perfectly fine. But if you're going to be traveling in wet countries for a while, I'd go straight to a high quality, just a canvas or burlap one. Because at the end of the day, especially here, the, way, the weather can start and stop. So you're taking it off five, six times a day, and then suddenly it's worn out after one go. And at the same time, we're always packing as light as possible. If you're going to have five of those things in there, you might as well just bring one good one and not have to buy another again. That's a great tip. So is it something that you'd expect rain pretty much every day? or, or what? No. No, it's pretty good here, especially, uh, well, we're all going through these changes in the weather over the last few years, so it's a little less predictable than it used to be anywhere. But I have noticed from the 13 years I've, uh, I've been here that the weather has been getting drier. So it is still a little bit of a wet country. You want to be ready for it. These really epic skies. I hate blue skies and white skies. I love epic skies. Whew, that's what you get here. That's all from the rain and the changing weather. And because it changes up so quickly, I mean, you have to be a little bit ready to run inside if you're, if you're watching your gear and then going out again. But when it breaks open, it is, uh, it is straight from above itself. I, it's really something, uh, something to behold. Nice. Very mm. cool. Well, um, what about traveling with your family? Is Bruges a place that you'd want to you know, bring the kids and, and make a week of it that way? Good question. Um, very child-friendly here. You don't really have any uh, any issues on that side. Uh, any of the tours, or at least the majority of them, are going to be able to support uh, children in some way. Because of the bicycle culture here, you could easily look at a bike tour uh, where they can get you an, a bike that's set up for kids, little and big. And at the same time, I mean, in a practical way, you're going to want to Excuse me, you're going to want to um, warn the kids about the traffic situation here, especially with the bicycles. It's real culture shock. Uh, but next to that, no real problems. Uh, one thing I'd suggest for the kids, too, I keep going on about the chocolate, but much as I love my Reese's Pieces from home, this is like chocolate like you have never experienced before. So 
if they're good boys and girls, I'd uh, you know, I'd I'd be ready to wear them down at night and brace myself for the sugar rush. But I'd take them to a good chocolatier and spoil them rotten. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good tip. So besides chocolate, what what are the kids going to do and and the family going to do when you're out shooting? Is there uh, what's uh, non photo related for everybody to do? You got pl plenty of options here. Food is an easy one to start with. I mean, kids get a little more tricky to uh, to predict on that side. But luckily, they enjoy the healthy stuff here. They also enjoy the slightly less healthy stuff. What I find interesting too, if you want to compare cultures, um, a lot less trans fats and such. So as a parent, that's always wor always worth thinking about. You can take them to the uh, the local equivalent of McDonald's and not worry too much. But I mean, beyond the food, I would uh, certainly look at some of the museums if they're uh, inclined that way. There's also a couple of quirky museums that would keep them busy, like the Fries Museum, the Chocolate Museum. We have the first beer museum in Bel in Belgium that opened here last year. Can't believe it took that long, but right. And uh, there's a Salvador Dali museum built into the uh, the market tower that is actually not too shabby, and uh, kids tend to enjoy that. I mean, not to turn it into a photo tip session or in the very least, but I've found and I've noticed this from the last couple of years of guiding tours, kids have the most amazing views on photography. You put a little waterproof, drop-proof camera in their hand and let them play, especially around here where it's very fairy tale kind of minded. I'd take them... Shooting, I'd also t not take them shooting, but when I'm taking them shooting, I'd keep them busy with the camera and then be peeking over their shoulders. It's uh, it's pretty interesting what they unfold, especially around here with that whole uh, Disney kind of vibe to them. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. That's really cool. Well, it's funny, for a place that a lot of people, it seems like, ha haven't even heard of, it seems like there's a lot to do in Bruges. Um, and, uh, man, I appreciate you coming on and being a local expert for us, Andy. Rob, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, for opening people up to Bruges. You bet. Well, where can people find you online if they want to come and take one of your, your private tours? Well, Rob, happy to tell I, uh, I do two kinds of tours, actually. I do open tours and private tours, and that's all under the Photo Tour Bruges banner. So get over to uh, get over to www.phototourbruges.com. I also seem to have done my Google Foo, so you can just type Bruges Photography, and I'm on the first page. And as I say, I do open tours. Those are open groups, maximum of five, three times a day. And... Those are only 50 euros per person. You can also bring your partner without extra charge. They won't be able to take photos, but they might see why uh, why we're made, making them wait all the time. And then, as you mentioned, I do private tours. And, well, you can take a look at those online. I find them reasonably priced, and you can fit a few people in those too. But you get to be a little more choosy. Nice. That sounds like a pretty good gig, man. I don't blame mm -hmm. you. Well, thanks I a lot, man. It's my pleasure, Rob, all yeah. around. Well, if you like what you hear on your itinerary, please tell all your friends about it and then head over to iTunes and leave us some positive feedback and a few stars. And be sure and connect with us on Twitter at Your Itinerary and drop me a line with any comments or suggestions. And if you want to be a local expert for where you live or where you like to visit, then definitely hit me up on Twitter. And maybe we'll get you on the next time that we do a round of local experts. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Your Itinerary with Rob Knight. Head over to thisweekinphoto.com to check out the other TWIP shows and get on our mailing list. Become a TWIP member to get exclusive benefits and member pricing on TWIP products and workshops. Start planning your next adventure, and we'll see you next week on Your Itinerary for travel and photography. Photography.